Today's episode of Pick Up the Six podcast is sponsored by Onnit, where they are on a mission to empower as many people as possible with a holistic philosophy when it comes to physical, mental, and spiritual well-being. As for me, I have Onnit's Alpha Brain in my daily regimen. It supports cognitive functions, including memory, mental speed, and focus. On it has loads of great supplements, nutrition, fitness equipment, and gear. Go check them out, onnit.com, and use the code PICK6, P-I-C-K-S-I-X, to save 10% off today. Go to onnit.com, and let's get on it. Our guest today is Daniel Ritchie. He was born without arms. Let that sink in. He remembers drawing into himself because people judged him. Until one day... And his life changed. And through faith, he has been unlocked. Let's meet Daniel on this episode of Pick Up the Six Podcast. My brother, it is a pleasure and an honor to see you today and have you join us on the show. How are you? Brian, thanks so much for having me, man. Excited to to sit and talk for a bit. You know, life is this incredible journey where paths cross and I've stopped asking why and just accepted that <laughs> we're supposed to just meet. Yeah, and yeah, and yeah. you and I ended up at a sort of at a guy's night at a, a mutual friend's house. Somebody that I would just met for the first time, smoking cigars after Christmas, sort of in that in-between Christmas and New Year's. Had a great chance just to chat and connect and, and got to meet you. I said, got to have Daniel and pick up the six to share a story. And it's not by accident. It's fate, oh, I think that for, for sure, man. For sure. The, the Lord was like, you know what? We need to, we need to put these two bearded brothers <laughs> together. Right. And it's That's like, right. they'll, they'll work it all yeah. out. Yours so, a yeah, little longer than mine these days. You've got uh, some length yeah, going. You know, as, uh, as my nine-year-old likes to say, sometimes uh, I look a little homeless. Um, so, <laughs> so maybe, maybe I need to trim it up. Maybe, maybe I need to do the oh, more, not... the more close to the close yeah. to the face look you got going on from the, uh, from the mouth of babes, right? Uh, right, right. Things. Thanks, thanks for the honesty. They, they will. Uh, I get, I get quite a bit of, and I've got a ten-year-old and a six-year-old. I get quite a bit of. Boys getting pretty gray there, Dad. It's good. It's good. <laughs> yep, yep. So I'm like, okay, okay, feel, good. <laughs> thanks, thanks for reminding me. I'm not as young as I once was. Thank you, thank you. I did get a haircut the other day, and they said, well, "You look younger." I said, "Okay, good. All right, that's. I'll take <laughs> I that." Mean, hey, any step in the right direction, right? That's right. We're gonna have an incredible conversation today. Share your life's journey and and really the incredible work that you're doing now to share your faith. Do you remember the first time you remember you realized I don't have arms? Mm. Man, it was probably, I mean, I don't distinctly remember the moment. I, I remember the season of life. Uh, it was, it was middle school. I was, I was probably 12 or 13. Um, and I think the, the very apparent picture in my mind was sitting in the school lunchroom. Um, struggling, I guess a little bit eating, eating my slice of pizza and looking around at everybody else in, in the cafeteria and man, they're going to town. They're not even thinking about how the, how they're eating uh, their pizza. And it's like, I think in that moment, I had always known I was different, but that was the first time where different equal bad, like mm. different equaled, not as good, not the same. Um, and, and all of a sudden for me, it, it very much so became a weight instead of just kind of like a, a, a marker, like a, a little unique part of my personality. This was, this was different. Like, oh man, like I'm, I'm, I'm broken. I'm, I'm not like these other people. And so that really started to, uh, started to weigh heavy on me. 
Um, man, I think from, from that point for, for probably in the next few years, for yeah. sure. We're going to talk about sort of from that moment right on, yeah. but yeah. let's go back to, to the beginning and, and you're born in this, right. You have this condition when you're born. I mean, any signs of it? Did your family have any idea or did, or did God bring you out into the earth? And, and this is what it was. Oh, bro. Yeah. Total surprise. Like, you know, nobody, uh, nobody knew mom had a healthy pregnancy. Mom had two ultrasounds. And so they never caught it literally until, until the moment that, that the doctor's holding me there in the delivery room, man, it was, it was a total surprise. It's incredible uh, to think about that. Uh, And I've, I've seen you speak about it and I've know, and I know you've talked about it and you said there's a moment where the doctor says, what do you, what do you want me to do with? Them? Yeah. I'm not so, trying to get too heavy, right? But no, that's, that's no, no, a no. I, moment on day one. Yeah. Cause I mean, to, to top everything else off too, in that moment, not only am I just this surprise disabled baby, but in that moment I wasn't breathing and, and the doctor tried to find a pulse on me too. And so he just really quickly asked my dad, do you want us to let him go? Like, you know, the, the doctor's just looking at me going, bro, what's the point? And um, man, I'm, I'm so incredibly thankful. Like dad didn't hesitate, stutter, wait, process. Um, he just simply told my, the, the doctor, he's like, listen, this is my son. I want you to do whatever it is that you can do to try to bring him back. And, um, and so doctors rushed me out and, and started to work on me um, in, in another room and, Man, by God's grace, a couple of minutes later, doctor walked back in a little kicking, screaming, armless baby boy, you know, and, and God in his God in his kindness, I think, showed uh, even from moment one. He's like, man, I got this. Y'all y'all don't yeah. think I have this, but I, I've, I've got this. Wow, man, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. How did your parents raise you in those moments as, as a young boy? How much <laughs> did they talk to you about it? Right. What were those conversations like as you're growing up? Yeah, I mean, I, I think for me, like my parents knew I couldn't hide from the world. And um, and, and so I think they, um, man, it was just very much so like guerrilla warfare parenting. You know, my, my parents were really uh, honest with me. My parents were really, um, I would say my greatest challengers and my greatest advocates. Um, mm. You know, I, I, I cage it like this, dad. Uh, dad was born and raised in Northern Maine. Um, and so Joker's just rugged as, uh, as I'll get out. Uh, mom's a central Virginia sort of Southern bell. And, um, and so I think these two competing personalities really created this, this interesting parenting dynamic to where like my dad pushed me in everything. Uh, he, uh, it, it was a cuss word in our house. If I said, I can't mm. like dad, I can't do this dad. I can't write with my feet. This is too hard. If I said that I got, I got my tail whooped. Um, but then, uh, on the other side of things was, was mom who in the midst of that realizing, okay, we need to push him, but it's like, it also, at the same time, we've, we've got to encourage him because there's going to be plenty of times where he's going to, he's going to fail. He's going to be discouraged. He's going to be insecure. And so I think these two, man, they were, they were the dynamic duo in so many ways. Whereas dad, dad pushed me to a place where, uh, you know, I, I now sit as a, as a fully independent adult. I use my feet as my hands, um, in, in every single possible way from riding, driving a car, 
mowing the lawn, changing baby diapers. Um, I, I mean, just just about every conceivable thing that you, that you guys can think of. Um, I, I have the opportunity to do just just with my feet, and I think much of that has to do, I think, with their parenting. But yeah. but I mean, also, I mean, clearly, it's like. As as they say, where I used to grow up, God don't make no junk, man. Like God, God knew what He's doing when He made me. He, he gave me some talented toes along with some uh, some pretty good parents too. You think they were harder on you because of that? Do you think they had to be more challenging, harder to not let you? Yeah, they they made the conscious choice. I, mm. I think in the first few days of life that we're going to push him because they knew. Um, man, if we just coddle him, do everything for him, then, I mean, he's conceivably just going to be a vegetable. He's just going to expect everybody to do it for him. But if we push him beyond even what he think he, he thinks he can do, I think he'll, he'll get to a place where he can be fully independent. Uh, you know, their, their gamble paid off for sure. Yeah. yeah. You said pretty much anything conceivable that you listeners do with your hands, you do with your feet. Do you remember learning to to write, right? yeah. picking yeah. up a pencil and writing? I want to know oh, about that experience. Yeah, man. I mean, so uh, I went to a normal country school in uh, in, in rural North Carolina, um, normal elementary school. I, I didn't go to special ed classes. I, I was just in uh, normal ed classes. And so, uh, you know, I remember there were times where it was like, you know, simple things in those early days, like writing my ABCs, coloring in between the lines, it really wasn't that problematic. But what what started to happen is, you know, you get older, you get in those like third grade, fourth grade years, you start going from writing sentences to writing paragraphs to writing pages. And man, when I got into those like writing full page, like, you know, three, four paragraph essays, I started to butt up against uh, my legs would start cramping. Mm. Um, and, uh, yeah. and and so what started to happen was like, I, I started to fall behind. Like, you know, my class started lapping me and getting way ahead of me and I, I just couldn't keep pace. And, and so it really did come down to a point where it was like, we we had to find like a, a, a way for either me to push through or, or I was going to have to pull out and go into special ed. And so, um, I think it was the one time that somebody had to start working out so they could do school better, but it's like, I, I, <laughs> yeah, did. I, yeah, started, yeah. I started running. Um, I started playing soccer. I started, um, just like doing body weight exercises in the garage. And, uh, and man, I, I was able to at least build up a, enough leg strength and leg stamina to the point where, uh, where the cramps didn't become an issue. And I was able to, able to catch back up with the class, but who, who would have thought, man, physical fitness, uh, yeah. it was going to pay off in the classroom. <laughs> Did it get, I mean, a little confidence gain too, in, in, in getting active like that. Yeah. I, well, for me, I think it was just kind of like, okay, this, this was not that bad. Cause it was, I think for a minute there was almost this tidal wave of failure that was washing over me. Like, Oh man, I guess, I guess I'm really not, I, I can't keep up with everybody mm. else. I can't, my feet can't do what their hands can, or my legs can't do what their arms can. And so that was kind of the, I, I think a watershed moment for me. It's like, no, I can, I can do this. I, I might just have to outwork everybody else, but I, but I can do this. And so I, I think, I think for me, that was a confidence boost in just like overcoming that failure and working through it and, and finding a way around it. Yeah. You talk about that moment in the cafeteria in middle school, look, man, middle school is hard enough and awkward <laughs> enough and challenging enough 
for kids at 12, 13, 14, as hormones are doing their thing and just life is changing in a rapid second. And in that moment, that's where it starts to maybe become more mentally challenging, Mm. right? For Mm. you. And you talk about drawing in, does that start in that moment? And then what are those next few years like for you as, as a young teenager? Yeah. Um, so I, I think that, I, you know, I've always been an introvert, uh, but I, but I think in that moment, that was kind of the first time where I, I sort of backed away from everybody else. You know, I, I started to realize, man, I'm, I think my own insecurity started to create issues and I started to push people away. And then it was, well, I started to resent everybody else um, just because, man, they, they've got so much more than I do. Man, that must be so easy to to live life with your your thumbs and your hands and your wrist and all this stuff. And um, and then honestly, it, it started to, to lead to like this resentment towards God. You know, it's like, God, I know. I mean, it's the whole Sunday school song, you know, Jesus loves me this. I know for the Bible tells me so, but I was sitting there going, Jesus, I know you love me, but why don't you love me? Like you love everybody else. Like you love everybody else. You gave them 10 fingers, two arms. Like where, where did I miss the boat? And so, um, yeah, man, I I started to push God away, push people away and I got to 14, 15, man, I was, I was a loner, depressed, frustrated, um, just a, just a shell uh, of what I was even, even three, four years before. Yeah. I mean, your parents, right. Raising you in the early days. And when that sort of transition starts to happen, you know, did, did they try to intercede or, I mean, just, it, it's a challenge, right? What you're yeah. going through is a challenge and nobody can really understand it except you. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it was one of those things where it's like my parents were trying everything that they knew how to do, but it almost feels like you're trying to push a boulder uphill. You know, it's yeah. like, man, if, you know, uh, apart from like something, just a just a switch flipping in, in Daniel's own heart and mind or apart from just the grace of God, they knew that this was gonna, this was something that needed to sort out in my own life mm. and that, um, and, and that they could encourage and they could shepherd it as much as they could. But I mean, it really was, was going to be up to, I, I think me to, to either fix my eyes on, on something else, or, I mean, truthfully for the, for the grace of God to just step in. Yeah. So when, when do you feel like he stepped in? Was there, was there a seminal moment, a pivotal moment that you had that sort of wake up call and you're like, yeah. I got, I, enough is enough here. Yeah. So buddy, buddy of mine invites me to a youth group lock-in and, um, oh, <laughs> dude, yeah, it was classic, a, man. Uh, bro, it was a dodgeball lock-in. So he didn't tell me that part. He didn't tell me that we were going to play dodgeball and armless people are flaming garbage at dodgeball, <laughs> man. Like of all the things, yeah, it seems like a rough one. Yeah. Yeah. So I get beaten to death for like three and a half hours. Thanks uh, thanks a lot, man. Yeah. I was like, maybe he's not, maybe he's not my friend. He just wanted one dude who was going to be worse than him. Invite me to like a dance a thon. Uh, You know, I I mean, yeah. Dance, dance revolution. I think that was hot back in the day, but uh, no, man. So yeah, I get beaten to death for a few hours. And, uh, and then it's like halfway through the night, the, the student pastor gets up, talks about God's love as I'm like bruised and battered. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then after that, they kind of, they went back to dodgeball. I, I sat off to the side. I was like, man, forget this. I'm, I'm done with this junk. 
And, um, and so eventually the, the, I guess this youth pastor, he sees I'm kind of lone wolfing it off to the side. And so he, he sits with me in the bleachers and he starts to talk to me and, um, and it was small talk, I think on the front end of the conversation, but it was just like somewhere in there, this dude picks up, I think on just like the heaviness in my own heart. And then he asked me, Hey man, um, you, you just don't like your life, do you? And I'm like, no, dude, like, you know, you just, you, you just got up, talked about God's love and I'm looking at my life and I don't see it. I don't mm-hmm. see God's love towards me, God's love in my life. And, um, and man, for, for probably the next hour, uh, this man just sits with me and walks me through just, just scripturally how God displays his love for me, how, how God fearfully and wonderfully made me how God sent his son to, to live a perfect life. I couldn't live to die the death. I should die. Um, God raises him to life to show his power over both sin and death and all who trust in him, man, he adopts them into the family of God and he sends them out on the mission of God. And I think for me to see God's love, God's purpose expressed through his words and not my circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, that was like the one thing where, you know, in, in terms of just talking about, where things started to change it, for, for me to focus on God's words and not like the words of others, um, not in like my own comparative perspective type deal, um, but to realize that God loves me in spite of what's going on in my life, man, it, it changed the, the mm. dynamic of everything, man. And How old were tr- you when this happened? I was 15. Yeah, man. So it, I mean, from that moment on, just, shaped my identity, shaped just, I think my strength, my purpose, my, I mean, truthfully, my everything from 15 on, uh, Daniel Richie was, was a much different man than he was in the days before. That's for sure. I would care to bet before that you were kind of aimless. Like, I don't even know what I'm going to do. Right. I don't even know what my career is going to (laughs) be. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You're kind of floating. Then this conversation happens and and you're like, I'm going to give it all to him. Mm. So then from there, I mean, you get pretty locked in on it. Here's what I'm, here's my path. Here's my yeah. path now. How's that, how's that play out? Cause you're still 15, right? You still got to yeah. grow up. You still yeah. got to get through I, high school, I, I, right? I, I was still a kid, um, you know, I think in a lot of ways, but I mean, truthfully, it was probably, I mean, it was like 10 months later. I had just turned 16 and God calls me into ministry, which to me was crazy because, you know, I just came out of this part of my life where I hated other human beings. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a natural introvert. I don't like people at all. And so, like, for God to call me to to go take the gospel and to give hope to, like, to more than one person at a time was just like, man, it just prompted so much anxiety and so much, like, insecurity in my own heart again. Um, but I think it's just like God, God brought to my mind and, you know, and me giving all the excuses of why I couldn't do this, uh, man, it's that whole picture of Philippians 413, man, that I can do all things through Christ. It yeah, gives right. me the strength and we'll, you know, it's like, we'll use that verse to like, you know, for an extra like quarter mile on like our, our run or do an extra like set in our yep. workout, but then it's like, I, I realized I wasn't applying that verse to like my own spiritual life. And so, no, I mean, truthfully to live in out the things that, that truly matter and uh, to realize, man, God would give me the strength to what he was calling me to in the first place. And I was like, well, dang it, Lord, like you, you sure got a way of calling my junk out. And so, yeah, I mean, so from, from 16 on, I was like, man, I want to, 
I want to spend the rest of my life just giving people the the hope that I have in Jesus. Man, that's incredible. Uh, the, to have that sort of perspective change, and, and I've I've read that you wrote said God has shaped my perspective per, to pursue a full life because I'm defined by Him and His grace rather than mm. seeing myself as a sum of two empty sleeves or finding my value in the eyes of the critical opinions of the world. You are still from 16 on, even on this journey of ministry, right? And, and right. feeling unlocked in your purpose, you're still bound to receive those criticisms, those <laughs> critical opinions, right? right, right? You, you still likely have to, to battle that. Yeah. Oh, no doubt, man. Even, even as a 37 year old man, uh, I'm still going to get the stairs. I'm still going to get the, uh, the, the awkward comments, the terrible tweets, like it's there, there's, there's nowhere to run. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think that, you know, for me, even though my circumstances didn't change, it's not like I woke up, you know, the, the morning after getting saved and it's not like arms popped out of my sleeves. And it's like, Hey, look, Jesus fixed everything. You know, that, that's not, that's not how it works. You know, it's like, he gave me, I, I think a strength and a hope and a peace to work through my circumstances, mm. even, even as they don't change. And so, I, I think in in those moments when it does happen and it, and it does. And I mean, even, even times where it's just like self-reflection, you know, where I'm sitting here going, man, as a dad, you know, I would, I would love to be able to go in the backyard and play catch with my nine-year-old boy. Or I would love to, when my little girl falls and scrapes her knee, I would love to, as a daddy, to just be able to scoop my girl up and, and hug her and tell her it's going to be okay. Um, you know, I can't do either of those things. And, and so there's times where it's like, I think these little waves of insecurity, these waves of insufficiency wash over me. Um, but I think that's, that's where, you know, it's like for a lot of us, it's like, we, we have to apply mm. the hope that we've trusted in, you know, we, we have to daily, I think, go back to it and be like, man, the, what, what Jesus has won me is not just like hanging out with him in eternity. What Jesus has won me now is like a hope that, that buoys me through, through whatever I have to face. And so, you know, some, sometimes as much as I preach to other people, I've, I've got to be really faithful to preach to myself uh, over and over. Well, you've got to be able to walk the walk, man. If you're going to, mm -hmm. if you're going to preach it, right. If you're going to bring <laughs> it to people, you've got right. to be able to to do that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, that's, I, that's for sure. I, I wish I could, you know, be the, like the, the love guy and not necessarily like the suffering and overcoming guy, you know, but, um, but I mean, yeah, you, but my brother, you know, that, and we both know that in that suffering, it only is going to produce endurance in you. That endurance is only going to give you character no, no, and that no. character is going to give you hope. That hope's been poured into you by the Holy spirit. Right. And that's, mm. that's the beauty of, look, we all are, we all are bound in different ways, shapes or form. And, and everyone listening, most people listening today, you know, will likely not have had to bear the suffering and the burden that you have, but mm -hmm. we all have something that we're carrying. Everybody's got something that they're carrying with them. I had an incredible conversation about this just a few days ago with a guy when we we're talking about just, you, you don't know what somebody's carrying mm -hmm. for you. Folks can see it when they meet <laughs> you, they can see it, right? Yeah. Yeah. They can see what that, maybe that suffering and that burden's like, but oftentimes we don't know when we come across somebody, nah, you know, nah. what's going on between the ears. Mm -hmm. Which is, so that's why I think, you know, we've, we've been coming back to a lot on this show recently is not only about helping other people, picking up the six, right. Getting other people's back, but also just extending a little bit of grace 
mm. in moments when you come across someone that maybe they're frustrated, they're upset. We don't know what's going yeah. on in their life, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, one, one of the scriptures has been, I think, such an encouragement to me. Second uh, Corinthians chapter one, uh, Paul just says that God comforts us in our affliction so we can grant that same comfort to others in their time of need. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think it's for us to realize it's like, yeah, even my hurt and my affliction. Yeah. It's, it's pretty apparent, you know, but like you're saying for, for the vast majority of people, it, it goes unseen, like what we've been through, the things we've experienced, the things that, that we have to overcome. And so I think for, for the vast majority of people to be willing to share that, to be willing to share that like trial, that hurt, that, Mm. that like wounding that you've been through. But then I think too, it, it, it also gives you an opportunity to speak to the comfort that you have had or the comfort that you currently are receiving. I think like we, we have to be faithful to be vulnerable, which is, it's kind of scary for a lot of us, Mm -hmm. but I think that's, that's one of our greatest opportunities we have to be encouragers, to be compassionate, to, to stand behind those that we don't know what they're going through, but you know what, let me tell you what I've gone through and how God has brought me through it. And it, 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 I think uniquely qualifies us to speak to a grace that's way bigger than what we've been through. Yeah, I totally agree. Driving a car. (laughs) Yeah. Walk me through driving a car. Oh man. Yeah. I, I mean, it's like uh, real life yoga. Um, it, uh, I mean, the best way I can describe it is my, my left foot goes up on the steering wheel and then my right foot uh, I use for the brake and the gas. So it's a stock stock car. Like I rent, uh, I, I travel a lot for, uh, for speaking and preaching. And so I spend a lot of time in, in rental car places and it's just a normal old rental car, no sort of like special attachments or gadgets or gizmos or anything. That's what I was going to ask, you know, is it outfit with anything? And I got to assume the majority of rental car companies, when you come walking in, are, are, are they sort of, what do we need to, what can uh, we do to help? And you're like, no, I'm good. Just give me the keys. And let's yeah. Go. Yeah. Most, most people are really confused, but it's, it's funny, like on uh with enterprise now I'm platinum. And so it's like the guys behind the counter, they'll, they, you know, they'll look me up and they'll be like, wait, what? Like, how is this right. dude? How's this dude platinum level with us? You know, and it, it, it uh, yeah, yeah. So it, 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 it it uh, opens up some some pretty neat conversations, especially with the people at the rental car counters. Yeah. Where have your journeys taken you? Not just around this country. I got to think around the globe. Yeah, man. Um, I mean, it really has been uh, super crazy uh, nationally lately. You know, now that the world is is open back up some, and mm-hmm. um, internationally, I haven't done a whole whole lot. I've done I've done Canada um, a couple of times, and then uh, wildly enough, I've done Indonesia, um, and so that was. That was super, super cool. But yeah, man, done, done, I think 40, 47 of the 50 states at this point. So, uh, so yeah, man, a little, little bit of everything. I, I love it. Yeah. Uh, folks can uh, visit your website, right? Learn more about where you're at. Also find places where you're going to be speaking. Yep. I yep. Think, for, and come see you. So tell us where we can find some of that information out. Of yeah. It. It's just danielrichie.com and then it's Richie with a T. So R I T C H I E. Um, so yeah, danielrichie.com. It's got my speaking schedule there. And, um, and, and if any of you guys are, are Twitter folks, just at Daniel Richie, man, love to, love to interact with y'all and, and, and see, uh, see what all's going on in, in, in your life and, and in your uh, neck of the woods. My man's got a beautiful family. Tell me about when you met your wife. Oh man, we met, gosh, 16 years ago. Uh, we were both working in camp ministry in the mountains of North Carolina. And this, uh, 
man, this really gorgeous, uh, six foot tall blonde girl walked in and I was like, yo, I need to, I need to meet this girl. And, um, and I was head over heels for her. Uh, she was not head over heels for me, but, uh, I, I think, uh, clearly I did not win her over with my looks, but I won her <laughs> over with my personality. Uh, I do believe so. Um, so yeah, we, uh, we met in, was it, we met in May of 2005 and we were married in October of 2006. So man, we, we got, we got cranking quick, man. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. You got, you got to strike while the iron's hot. Man. Hey, that's, that's right. That's, that's right. Sure. No doubt. Now, now that you're a dad and your kids are, your oldest is nine, right? Yeah. Oldest is, is nine. Youngest is six. Yeah, ours are same age range, 10 and six. I love it. Similar. How much do you lean back in on the experiences that your parents instilled in you as, as you're and you got to figure out your journey, right? You got to figure out your own parenting style. But how has that journey been for you over the last nine years? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think I uh, I find myself trying to be, I have to remind myself to be more kind and gracious because it's like, mm. if I'm looking back to how my parents parented me, man, it was like special forces parenting, bro. Like they, uh, they, they were trying to make a Navy SEAL or something. And, uh, and so, um, uh, I, I, I try to push back against that as much as I can. Cause it's just like, man, yeah. there's so many times yeah. my kids want to whine or give excuses. And I'm like, bro, you know how I grew up. I got my butt whooped if I said that junk. And now I'm like, all right, I gotta, I actually have to teach. I have to encourage. Yeah. I have to shepherd. Yeah. And um, but yeah, I think I think because of that, though, it has been very interesting that it's like for my kids, um, they're they're far more attentive um, to those with like disabilities, those that are just like going through stuff. Like I I, I watch my kids seek out other kids that mm. either, you know, they, they might just stick out, um, in, in some negative ways. It's been cool to watch them, how it's just, I don't know for me, man, they've just normalized uh, disability so much that it's just, it's a non-factor for them. And so I'm so proud of them that it's just like, man, they just love people well, in spite of what they look like, in spite of what they sound like. And, um, so, so that has been a neat, I guess, maybe product uh, of just mm -hmm. who I am, not necessarily good parenting, but I think it's just by, by circumstances. Yeah. I mean, the, the kids have just really loved well um, because of what their daddy looks like. Yeah. That's incredible, man. God, I'm just, I'm thrilled that we're able to get connected, have this conversation and yeah. And just get, you know, I think, I think there's just always value in perspective mm, you no know, and how, and how we view not only what we're going through, but what others are going through. And there's something in picking up the six around, you know, just being attentive to that. And like, mm. I think your kids are a great example of that. Yeah. I mean, just their awareness and they'll have mm. their challenges, right? They'll get into middle school and they'll have kids say stuff and they're going oh, to have hundred percent. They're going to have to deal with that and find ways to deal with that themselves too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I know that day's coming. I mean, right now with a, with a fourth grader and a kindergartner, you know, it's, it's not on their radar, probably in a lot of ways, like it was not on my yeah. radar at that age. And so I know that day's coming, you know, and then that those challenges are coming, but bro, we'll, We'll, we'll meet them head on if sure, we right. have to. Yep. That's right. That's right. All right, my brother. It's good to talk to you, man. Let's do this again down the road. All right. No doubt. Stay, stay in touch. And, and uh, man, just keep us up to date as to what you're up to. And, guys, if you want to go check him out, Daniel Richie's the website. You guys can find him on Twitter. Get engaged in that way. And just a beautiful light in this often broken world. It's good when we mm. can come across those that, that continue to shed it. Thank you, brother. No doubt. Hey, thank you, man. He is Daniel Richie. I'm Brian Jodas. And this has been Pick Up the Six Podcast. 